This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios. Speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? You better visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That is 208-467-7468. Hello, this is Travis from Speak Boise. I have one important question for all you listeners out there. Do you guys need help growing your business? Because it's what you don't know that will cost you. Tulu Peer Advisory Group is here for every stage of your business growth. If you want to find out more information about them, you can check out their website. That's T A. L-L-O-O.com. Alcohol Tipping Point is brought to you by Coffee and Supply Co. Looking for a new coffee experience? I am. Try Coffee and Supply Co. located in Eagle, Idaho. It's family owned and features a pour over bar, a unique bites menu, including vegan and gluten-free options, all locally sourced. Mention Speak Boise and receive 10% off any food and beverage. Visit coffeeandsupplyco.com or follow them at at coffeeandsupplyco. Hello, welcome back to Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Maisner, and today I have a very special guest from Australia. Uh, Her name is Mary Stewart, and I'm going to have her introduce herself a little bit, and and then we'll get started. So Mary, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Deb. It's so exciting. It's my first ever podcast as a guest, so thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. So tell, <laughs> tell me where you're calling in from. So I'm calling in from Geelong in Australia, which is a surf coast town. Um, it's not far from Melbourne, probably an, an hour out of Melbourne. Um, and I moved down here probably about eight years ago with my husband and my dog, Eddie. Um, and I grew up in Tullamarine near the airport, um, so near the Melbourne airport, and um, I grew up with two brothers and a sister, um, and yeah, so that's that's my story. <laughs> yeah, so born and raised Australia, live in a beautiful coastal town. Um, yes, I do, yes. Yeah, that's wonderful. And then yeah. I I found you on Instagram um, mm-hmm. 
and and you just stood out to me because of your beautiful words and then i found out you are writing a book and and you mm-hmm. have dealt with your own journey with drinking so um just tell me a little bit about your your relationship with alcohol and how mm. that's changed what's mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It might be good for me to talk about like from when I was a child because yeah. my actual book actually talks about that. So um, so when I was a child, I was really shy, like painfully shy child and, you know, the type of child that used to hide behind their mum's skirt and um, that was how it all sort of started, I suppose, because I was so shy and um, then getting older, I... Um, had this insecurity about myself. I would constantly, as a child, change my clothes and I wanted to look pretty for other people and, you know, I wanted people to praise me and, you know, tell me they liked me and and that kind of thing. And that sort of just ended up growing and getting worse and worse as I got older. Um, So the socially awkward part, I think I sort of rectified that by masking this almost fake confidence that I had um, around other people. So I worked in hospitality for probably over six or seven years and I learned how to mask that, um, my social awkwardness and um, and learned how to, you know, talk to people and, you know, not – and come across as though I was, I was confident, I suppose. So, yeah, that ended up going into my adulthood and working in hospitality as well, which is a big drinking culture. Um, I was binge drinking a lot when I was working in hospitality, and um, which was sort of weekly, I suppose, or fortnightly. Um, but when I did drink, I, I drank to excess. So um, that um, didn't sort of stop. And, and, and even when... I was married. I, I, I had previously been married. I got married when I was 22, um, got divorced when I was 30. And during that time when I was married to my ex-husband, um, I binge drank for most of that relationship. So events and, you know, weddings and things like that. So when I um, got out of that relationship, I ended up in another relationship um, with another guy who, I didn't really have a lot in common with, but um, I was like a bit of a chameleon when it came to relationships. I tried to fit into their life and um, that's where the drinking got worse because I was not being myself. Um, And I don't think I ever was myself even growing up. So, um, and that's where the alcohol ended up becoming a daily habit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you grew up just painfully shy, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And, and so one of your, your tools was just acting like another person putting on that mask. And, and then when you got older, it was the alcohol that just kind of helped you come out of your shell. And it -hmm. sounds like it was also normal. um, Mm. And it was part of your career as well. That's right. That's right. So I, I went from working in hospitality to, um, I worked in a call centre for a while. So obviously as part of my job, I had to mask that confidence as well, talking to people over the phone. Um, And then I uh, then moved into community services. So I worked in disability and worked in mental health as well. Um, And then 
later I ended up working with offenders as well. So it, um, my job was quite stressful as well. So the stress of working in those roles and working in leadership roles as well, um, that also made my drinking worse because the stress of my work um, and working with certain types of people was very stressful. Sure. And then, yeah, I was just going to say, so you had, um, it got worse with this, this other relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, and then what happened? So, yeah. So then after, um, so during that relationship, I was actually taking drugs as well. So Mm -hmm. like going out and taking ecstasy and, um, speed. Um, I, um, yeah, that was that was just a part of our life as well. Like it wasn't often, but, you know, that was something that we did together as well. I then, that didn't end well, that relationship, and then I ended up single and that was quite painful for me because I always was in a relationship. Um, that was my security blanket, being with someone. Um, and then being single was not good for me. Um, I was drinking on my own at home um I was drinking up to three bottles of wine a night um so even you know getting up in the morning I was in a constant hangover um waking up and going to work every day so um that was um not good when I was in that state um the first time I tried to quit was when um I one of my friends from high school had a brain tumor and ended up passing away and um, he was only 36 at the time. So that was one of my, one of my um, yeah. um, times when it was really um, like my rock bottom, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first time I tried to quit for an extensive period of time. So prior to that, I'd gone, oh, I really need to stop drinking. I really need to stop this. So, you know, I'd, I'd quit for one or two days. But this was the first time actually quit for a you know a couple of months so that was the first time I tried to quit and then I thought I really need to go and speak to a counsellor um because my drinking's out of control um so I even went on antidepressants at the time um where um I felt like I just I, I was I was depressed at the time so I was um I was on those, but I felt like it, it. I wasn't happy and I wasn't sad, so that didn't really help either. So I went to six counselling sessions. Um, they were drug and alcohol sessions, and I didn't really feel like that helped me at all. Um, in the beginning I did, and then it sort of, the sessions sort of didn't really help. So then I um, ended up drinking again. Um, so I didn't really have any plans when I was quitting on these occasions. It was, um, I, I wasn't really, I didn't have a reason to quit, if that made sense. Um, yeah, so the next time um, I, I quit um, because I knew that it was getting out of control, I quit again, another attempt, and that was, like I said, another couple of months that I quit for. And then I met my my now husband which I actually went to high school with so um so we'd met after 22 years later we met up again and um we didn't really leave each other side from from that day so um I ended up going to a on a holiday 
um, to Spain with him in the September of the same year that I, we met up again. And then I said to him, I think I might have a drink. And so that was it. It was all over after that. I was back drinking again and just as heavy as I was before. Um, it didn't affect our relationship. Like we were still really close and um, getting along well. But it was my work that was causing me to, to drink. I felt like I needed to drink to alleviate that stress I was feeling at work. Then um, I decided I would quit again <laughs> um, and that was I decided to eat, even change my diet because now I was starting to feel unhealthy like mm. I, I was feeling like yeah just not good my body did not my body felt like it was going to shut down to be honest like because I was drinking so much I had the DT so I had the delirium tremors and um, you know during the day I didn't drink at work um, like I, I never got to that stage where I drank at work or drank before work it was always, as soon as I got home, I was just drinking until I went to bed or until I passed out, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so then um, my mum became really unwell. Um, she ended up being diagnosed with uterine cancer in 2015 um, and she became, became progressively unwell over four years and that was another reason for me to... To, to not drink. Um, so I was drinking a lot, obviously, while she was still unwell. And then it got to Christmas Day 2017 and I just um, had watched a series of videos on Facebook um, and just some of the words that this person was using in these videos, like, you know, alcohol's not the joy juice that you think it is and mm-hmm. and all of these all of these phrases that resonated with me I think that's the reason why I thought no I can actually do this this time I can I can quit this time so um, I started to um, just r- watch those videos and sort of prep myself to quit so I didn't want to just quit like I did on the previous occasions I actually wanted to have a plan I wanted to make sure that I was prepped for for quitting um and so I did that right up from I think it was about October of that year right up until December and you know um I wanted to take photos of myself to to you know take selfies of myself to to look at and see what I looked like as well while I was drinking and while I was drinking heavily um and then it got to December or Christmas of 2017 and I I um, drank heavily on that Christmas day and then and thinking I'm, I want to have a good time with my mum because, you know, it might be her last Christmas. And then it got to December 26 and I woke up with the worst hangover ever in the world and I just went, no, that's it, I'm quitting today. And that's been that was the last time I drank. So, wow! So that um, was <laughs> that was December of two thousand seventeen. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was the very last day that I drank alcohol. So yeah, I've I've been alcohol free now for nearly three and a half years. So um, yeah, so very exciting that I've been able to stay on the path that I have, which is is really good. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I just think it's so important to share your story. Like it wasn't, 
it didn't happen that day in 2017. No. Like it was everything leading up to then and, and all those different times you were taking a break and you were practicing and then you, you learned some tools and then you had like a toolkit to help you, um, with this exactly. other time. Yeah. And you had your whys and, um, so important. Yeah. So what, uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Now you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you like what, um, what was different and what, what helped you? And maybe that leads into the book that you wrote um, mm. called Living an Alcohol-Free Life Your Way. Um, mm-hmm. How does that all tie in together? So um, so I, the reason why I actually quit and, and why I decided, and, and it goes back to, and the reason what I wrote in the book is like my whole, pretty much what I've just told you and, and it mm-hmm. goes through that sort of just snippets of what's happened over the course of my life. Um, and it's not, the book is, wasn't intended to be about me. It was intended to help other people to live their life their way and, you know, their alcohol-free life their way. Um, because I found when I was reading, um, you know, I joined Facebook pages, um, I joined Facebook groups um, that helped me um, taking selfies of myself for over a 40-day period and then looking back on back to my day one and deciding, you know, if I keep looking at this photo of me on day one, then that's going to help me keep going. Um, so I think the whole thing about the whole alcohol-free, you know, living an alcohol-free life, I think you have to do it your way. You can't there's no cookie-cutter way of quitting, you know. There's no cookie-cutter way of losing weight. There's no cookie-cutter way of doing mm-hmm. anything, really. So it's it's that's why I wanted to write this book. And I'd read lots of other books, um, you know, Annie Grace. Um, there's an Australian writer, Rebecca Weller. I, that was her fir- the first book I read um, called The Happier Hour. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that was like a memoir-style book. And most of the books that I read were like memoir books. And... I think that's a really important component of of that, but I think the most important component of the book that I've written is the journal prompts and you deciding and working out what works for you because there's no quick fix to quitting drinking. Like it doesn't happen like what you said before. It doesn't happen quickly. You You have to learn from your mistakes that you've made. And when people write things on Facebook about, you know, in the Facebook groups and things like that about, um, oh, I feel really disappointed in myself that I've started drinking again. You know, I quit for three months or I quit for eight months and now I'm drinking again. It's not a bad thing to do that. So I think the trial and error approach is a really good approach to have and not be so hard on yourself when you start drinking again. Um, so I think that that was the key thing for me and that was the key thing to writing the book is to, to show people that it's not a bad thing to start drinking again because you're not ready to quit at that stage. That's not your time. So um, so the book is about just going through some of those things and some of the things won't apply to some people and I talk about that in the book that some of the journal prompts won't apply to you um, but you just take what works for you um, and that was the purpose of writing the book is to help people to discover what works for them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful to share that with the world. Um, had you ever written a book? I mean, what made you like, no. that's a big project to set out. <laughs> no, I are, and it was a big project, trust me. <laughs> um, you know, it's only a 152-page book. But okay, it's a, still. But it, the process of writing a book, if everyone, anyone wants to write a book, it is a long process and, um, you know, the editing process and you think you've got it right and then you've got to go back and change things again and it's um it's quite an interesting process I enjoyed it but it was a very challenging process yeah so I will probably end up writing another book um but um it I'll probably take a little bit of time to um come down off this one I think (laughs) yeah so this book sounds like it's it's not just like an informational book it's it's kind of more like a journal self-help kind Mm -hmm. of um Mm -hmm. Does it? It's definitely self-help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely self-help. Yeah. Um, the stories are there to just compliment or just mm-hmm. to demonstrate or to show people. Um, you know, people are always interested in how other people live an alcohol-free life, and I think that the memoir part sort of had to be in there to, you know, had that balance of both rather than just solely being about um, people writing journal, um, you know, their their journal entries. Um, at I think it sort of had to be a bit of both um, just to have that balance of me sharing my story and, and demonstrating to people that it can be done and then also having those journal prompts there to for people to, to find out what works for them. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I mean, that's my philosophy. Like there's more than one way and, and you can – it's definitely not cookie-cutter – um, and take what you can from all these different resources and tools. Um, yeah, exactly. So it sounds like you were saying m- making mistakes, having sometimes people call them data points, you know, not being perfect with quitting drinking was one of the key tools for you. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, watching those videos that inspired me, um, you know, learning what works and why I drank was really important and that's a key part of the book as well is for people to learn why they drink because I think a lot of people go, right, that's it, I'm quitting drinking, I've had enough, I'm drinking too much. However, they don't know why they're drinking. So I think that was the reason why I wanted to talk about. So some of the chapters in the book are about catastrophizing and which I do, you know, I've learned to sort of dumb down some of those thoughts you know, with affirmations and things like that. Um, But the journaling really helped for me. Um, So the journaling was a really important part of my, you know, me living an alcohol-free life. Um, And I, there's a a line that I write in the book about journaling and I know people think, oh, journaling, journaling, (laughs) people talk about this all the time. But it's so important because a lot of people just write their journal and they leave it but Mm -hmm. you know a a write a line that I write in the book is don't write and leave but write and read um so go back and read what you've you know how how you were feeling at that time what alcohol made you know why did you drink so much at that time um and another key point that I put in there is write when you know you wake up with a hangover write about when you you know how you're feeling um because that's going to be key 
to have those negative associations to alcohol as well when you want to stay on track. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, taking a picture of yourself every day, how brave. I'm <laughs> taking a picture when you're hungover, like, because I've done it too. I've done that day one picture and it, it ain't pretty. Um, but yeah, having those visual, visual reminders and having the, you know, actually a written reminder of, of how you felt because we, we tend to taint our memories and, you know, Lots of times it can be lead us back to drinking like, yeah, well, it wasn't that bad. But then it, yeah, really was. Take a look at this. And I think sometimes, you know, and especially for me, because I grew up in the 70s and 80s. So, mm-hmm. you know, drinking back then was really, you know, everyone looked like they were having a good time. Everyone looked like they were having so much fun. Um, and it was this whole illusion that alcohol just made everything better but it did it doesn't it doesn't make anything better at all and um you know even when people say they need a drink because you know do people really need a drink you know <laughs> it's um you know it's 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 like we've been ingrained to think that way I think and over time people are starting to get better with that and I think you know people like yourself having podcasts like this you know this is going to help people you know get that message you know to get that message out to people that drinking's not all it's cracked up to be <laughs> so it's um it's actually doing your body a lot of damage and um but but you know in saying that people need to realize that themselves you know yes we can write books and have podcasts and things like that but at the end of the day it's it's their decision to make that choice yeah yeah, and and so I mean, I think as an American, I think of yeah. Australia as, ooh, that country's full of heavy drinkers. Um, yeah. Would you agree? <laughs> I mean, that's yes. your experience, but but what are your thoughts about Australia and drinking culture, and and is that changing? Oh, definitely, definitely. So. Um, obviously being older now, but, you know, not going out as much as I used to, but, um, it's definitely changing. So there's a lot more people I work with that don't drink at all. There's, or have quick drinking like I have. Um, and people just don't talk about it as much and they don't, they don't talk about it in a positive way. Like as they don't talk about alcohol in a positive, like they used to, um, it used to be like, oh, we're all going out to have a drink. You know, it's, it's not like that anymore. Like people don't actively talk about, you know, celebrating going out drinking, I suppose, like they used to in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is it not, so is drinking not so um, prevalent in America? Or? Oh, it's prevalent. It's very prevalent. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. I think like 80% of Americans drink. Um, okay. Yeah, and we're really into our craft beers and wine. You know, it's it's definitely prevalent. Mm. Um, I just mm. i I think of Australia. I think there's like a stereotype of of Australians as being really heavy drinkers, and I don't know <laughs> if you guys think of Americans as oh, that's full of heavy drinkers. <laughs> no well I actually don't I actually don't yeah so um 
No, it doesn't really come across as though, like maybe from, you know, watching movies and things like that and watching shows, more, more of a college perspective. Maybe mm-hmm. when people are at college, they drink a lot, um, you know, in America. But um, apart from that, that's probably really the only message that I've ever noticed. Um, you know, it's more like when you're at college, you, you tend to drink a lot. Um, but I suppose it's the same here when people are at university, they tend to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I work at a, a university during the day and I found that younger people don't drink as much as they used to. Um, so like, cause we have social events and things like that at university and I find that they don't drink as much as what I would have when I was younger. So um, it is changing. It's definitely changing. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think mm. we're just like normalizing not drinking, kind of like with smoking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. It's starting to get that way where people are like, oh, no, I don't really want to do that. And mm-hmm. and it is um, the same with smoking. You know, there's so many people at my work that have quit smoking just over in the last two years. So it's yeah, it's amazing how things are changing when it comes to people's health and the way that they view their health as well, and including drinking and smoking as part of that. Yeah. Um. So, what besides giving yourself grace to make mistakes, what what would mm-hmm. you say are, are some of your other top tips for quitting? Okay. So, um, I would say. Um, one of the things that I I did was focusing on the positive things that mm-hmm. you've done so far. So looking at those positive things and looking back over those selfies that we were talking about, looking back over your journal, going to bed early and reading something alcohol-free related um, just to sort of cement some of those thoughts, so I suppose, um, like purchasing a memoir, self-help book and just reading that before bed. Um, you know, reading before bed will also help you sleep better as well. And that's a key thing to making you feel better, um, which is not going to, it's like that cause and effect thing, I suppose. Um, you know, if you're not sleeping well, you may tend to drink more. Do you know what I mean? Like you may tend to wake up the following day and go, oh, I'm really tired. Oh, I might just have a drink before bed. Um, so I think, you know, having having that different routine before bed is really helpful um, continuing to strengthen your mind around how alcohol, like what alcohol does to your body as well. Um, that was another thing. Like I've got, there's, there's sections in the book where I've got Mary Wisdoms for living an alcohol-free <laughs> life. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're not intended to tell people how to live an alcohol-free life, but they're things that I learned, um, over the time. So, um, some of those things are like, um, you know, alcohol will not so solve all of your problems. Um, um, don't wait until some you lose someone to experience or have or experiencing a stressful event before you decide to quit. Um, so there were plenty of stressful events that I had over that time, including my mum passing, like getting ill and then passing away in 2019. So I also talk about how to cope with stressful events as well and also those journal prompts on, you know, asking yourself how you can cope with stressful events moving forward. But I think the number one thing for me is the planning as well and I know that that probably seems a bit stressful for people but, um, but planning before you go out, like how many 
if you are going to drink, how many drinks are you going to have? Um, is someone going to make you accountable for how many you know drinks are you having? So those types of journal prompts are what's in the book. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's lots of little tips and tricks in the book. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's yeah. fantastic. And you've gone mm. back to journaling a couple of times, and I just wanted to share um, something that I had heard on another podcast about journaling, and it was, was like, you know, when you think back to when you did math um, at mm. school and you had a math problem, or, or mm. even now, like, oh, what's, you know, you're at the grocery store or whatever. So, but you have a complicated <laughs> math problem. You're trying to do it in your head. And, and it's like, no, get out a sheet of paper and write down the solution, write it out. And, and that's what journaling can be for you is, is solving that math problem. Ah, uh-huh. definitely. That's a really good analogy, isn't it? I thought so too. <laughs> I, Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I would like to be a journaler. I actually used to be a journal journaler. I have like six, <laughs> I have six journals under my bed um, from junior high. Well, actually from sixth grade through yeah. like my first year of college. <laughs> They're hilarious. <laughs> um, but I stopped. I just stopped after that. And, but I do, I'm like, you know what? I, because I keep hearing like journaling, journaling this, it can be so valuable for you to just get that out of your head and, and onto paper or no, I mean, you could probably just do it on notes in your phone or. Of course. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that you have to write it down, but it's, it's, um, you know, I was even typing my feelings like I was just getting a word document up mm, and just yes. typing yeah um because some of those things have ended up in the book as well so um it's just so important I think and how many times have you gone back over and read a journal and you're like I can't even remember feeling like that so you actually forget how how you were feeling at that time oh my so gosh really yes important. Yeah, <laughs> I did when I pulled them out recently, read them, and I had had like a, a boyfriend. And in my mind, I was like, oh, we had such a good relation. Oh, my little high school sweetheart or whatever. Um, this was my first one. Um, but anyway, and I read back through my journal entries and I was like, oh, that was not a healthy relationship. Um, but I had like tainted my mind. My memory was just color no, no. differently mm-hmm. and that's exactly right and I think it's the same with drinking I think we think oh we had such a good time out with so-and-so or one of your friends but you then think you know you actually do taint it with that you know your rose-colored glasses or whatever thinking mm-hmm. that that was a good time but then you you forgot that you went home because you offended someone and you had a fight with someone and then you ended up passing out on your bed or something so it was you don't remember those things, but you remember, yeah, the good things, I suppose. And mm-hmm. you forget all of the other stuff and that really horrible, horrible things that you used to feel about yourself or the situation that you were in. So um, I got myself in some into some crazy situations, which haven't made it to the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's book two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm deciding whether I want to share that with the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I think what I've shared is enough, I think, <laughs> for now, <laughs> for now. <laughs> so what um, what do you call yourself then? I mean, labels. Alcohol free. Alcohol yeah. free, yeah. <clears throat> the reason why is because um, sober, to me, my mind, and I know this probably doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but sobriety and sober in my mind just seems so temporary for me, mm. um, whereas alcohol-free just seems like my life is alcohol-free. I don't – alcohol-free is not a part of my life. So um, that seems more permanent for me, and I can't even explain why that's the way it is in my head. Um, but that's – yeah. So it's the same with alcoholic. I don't like the word alcoholic, and I talk about that in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Because when I was younger – when people talked about alcoholics, it just seemed like it was a person that didn't have their life together. And even though that was the case for me, um, but when I was in the midst of being, you know, in that alcohol-fueled stage of my life, I didn't like people calling me an alcoholic. Um, And it's that label as well, um, you know, coming from a disability background and people being labelled what their disability is, it's the same with being called an alcoholic um I didn't like being labeled an alcoholic because it felt like all people thought I didn't have my life together even though like I said earlier that was the case my life wasn't together but um I think when you're in the midst of that it's you don't like being labeled something yeah so I know a lot of people choose to be um, choose to call themselves an alcoholic and that's fine you know whatever two people choose to call themselves and I don't judge anyone for calling themselves an alcoholic or anything like that um, I just think it's personal preference isn't isn't it really yeah oh yeah I so think... what do you what do you call yourself <laughs> I, I do find myself using the word sober more um, just because it's shorter and I'm lazy <laughs> I um well with sober like if you look it up it just means not drunk and I'm like okay yeah yeah, I'm sober um (laughs) and I'm into uh I guess the way words look and feel and I'm like it's kind of like a soft round little word kind of like me yeah (laughs) so (laughs) to me it's comfortable it's like a little pillow like sober um I like alcohol free because I just the word free has so many meanings, um, but it's it's light and airy and it, it just it feels like sorry. It's very empowering. Alcohol yeah. free. Um, I think so, too. Yeah. I think we could bring back teetotaler. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's I've got a negative, got a, like a oh, does teetotaler as well? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know up. that. I never hear it. I just thought teetotalers were uh, just people who didn't drink. Well, what's a and tea? They, so in Australia, well, in Australia, okay, yeah, in Australia, in Australia, it's like they're boring because they don't drink. Yeah, like people oh, boring. Yeah. Oh, 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 jeez. Well, I'm teetotally awesome. Um, that's funny. Okay. I like but that. I do, I do think labels matter. Um, well, the label that you choose. I mean, that was yeah, a good right. point of course. that the labels that other people call you, that's why they can be so hurtful in any setting. Mm. But what you mm. choose to call yourself, um, 
that is so important, you know, and, and that's where identity starts. So if, if you're alcohol free, that's how you live your life. If you're sober, like you don't drink, I guess that's why I personally don't like alcoholic because that means mm. that you're powerless over alcohol. And to me, I'm like, mm, mm. I'm powerful over alcohol. Like yeah. it holds <laughs> no power over me. Like I, I Hi. bought that I bitch. That's right. Um, <laughs> right. That's I'm exactly just right. all about empowerment, but, but if it's helpful to you, which I think it is helpful for people to mm. call themselves an addict or an alcoholic, because for them, that's the reminder of, oh, oh of course. And, but that's where it comes back to the journaling. Like that's mm-hmm. where it comes back to writing those feelings down about how you feel about yourself, about what you want to call yourself, about all of that's really important. And I, I know it all comes back to journaling and I've all brought it all back to journaling, I should say. But um, it's just so been so important for me. And, um, and that's why I've chosen to have the journal prompts in the book because I feel like it can have a positive impact on other people. Yeah. Yeah, so helpful. Um we had talked a little bit about how you like to read before bed or read Quitlet. Um mm-hmm. which is liter I mean, if you're listening and you don't know what Quitlet is, it's it's mm-hmm. for it's books about quitting drinking, basically. And they could mm-hmm. be memoirs or self help. Um mm-hmm. what what are your some of your favorites? So some of my favourites, and I mentioned a couple before, obviously Annie Grace, and I think most people love Annie Grace <laughs> um, with this naked mind. Um, it's just a good combination of her research as well as her story as well. So I really enjoyed that. Um, a Happier Hour, as I mentioned earlier, she's a fellow Australian. Okay. Uh, Rebecca Weller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she was the very first book, Quit Lit book I I bought um and I really enjoyed that that that's a memoir solely a memoir and Mrs D's um going without which is Lotta Dan and she's a New Zealand writer Mm -hmm. um and that's a really that's a funny book actually so it's a memoir and it's a diary like book um and that was one of my favorites and I also really enjoyed um Claire Pauly's The Sober Diaries as well that is that is one of my favorites yeah, <laughs> it's a good book. Have you read any of the other books? I've read quite a few. I've read some of the heavier ones like Blackout um, <laughs> and the Mary Carr ones. Um, yeah, I love I Quitlet. Um, yeah. And I think because for, you know, you talked a little bit about what you see in movies um, and mm. alcohol use is so dramatized and it's just like you're going to rehab or you're rock bottom. <laughs> like I you, know. you couldn't read. Yeah, you couldn't read anything real or relate to anything realistic mm. unless for me yeah. that was reading a Quitlick book because I'm like, oh, I can relate to these people and what they're going through. I couldn't, mm. although I do enjoy when a man loves a woman. And, oh, I was just about to say that to my I was yes. just about to mention that. Because love- it's so realistic because I relate to her so much, the hiding the bottles in the bin, mm. the all of that thing, getting really angry over nothing, um, you know, when you're really drunk. Um, 
people pushing you away, um, getting paranoid when you're drunk as well. Um, so, yeah, no, beautiful movie. I really enjoyed that yeah. movie. Yeah. But, but all the movies and TV shows, it's all rehab and AA. Yeah. And so that's why I was like, that's why I always thought, oh, those <clears throat> are my two choices, rehab <laughs> or AA, and I haven't really hit rock bottom. Like, I'm not living the best life, but I'm – I'm not, I, for me, those, those weren't for me, but yeah. So what, can you just tell me a little bit about your story? Like as in your, um, like how you, you were saying you didn't have a rock bottom. So what, like, what was your story just briefly? Like, yeah, well, I mean, it was similar to yours in that Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I, I was drinking heavily to handle stress. For me, it was Mm -hmm. stress of raising kids. And that's why I'm really like into the mommy drinking culture. I'm not into it, (laughs) like fascinated by it, but, um, And, and so I did get to the point where I would do like a dry month or I'd stop for a little while and then I'd be like, just Mm. one drink. And then that always leads you down the path to a couple bottles a night. And, um, so I, I was doing that same thing, quitting and starting Mm. and struggling. And then, and it was Annie Grace doing, um, the alcohol experiment, In 2018, where that I was like, wow, this has changed just the way I think about alcohol. You know, Mm. how how does it really affect you? What are you really using it for? Um, Mm. So it's kind of doing those challenges off and on. um, But, you know, it was like a door opened in my mind and I couldn't close it again. So I just could not enjoy alcohol again anymore. I wanted to... Mm. Like I, I wanted to be a quote unquote normal drinker. I wanted to moderate <laughs> because that's yeah. what society tells us you can do. <clears throat> Everybody else is doing it, right? They look great. Um, <laughs> so I thought, oh, I, I can, I can do this. I'm fine. Um, but finally, I got to the point where I, I was done. Um, mm. And then my last drink was. Uh, December 31st of 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It, but, you know, it didn't just happen magically. It, it was a journey yeah. and it was a process. And um, so that's and what that's I'm doing thing, now. Isn't it? Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, I could have stopped drinking years ago. Like I had so many occasions where I, you know, stopped for two or three days or I'd stop for, you know, just a week or, or something like mm-hmm. that. And it just wasn't, you know, I could have done it so many times, but it just wasn't my time. And and I think that's where having that preparation and, you know, making sure that you're prepared to quit, I think is really important. Um, Whether you think that you've prepared or not, you probably have at some point. So, um, you know, that you have learnt and um, what's working and what's not working from the previous attempts as well. and you might just be doing that in your head and not journaling. And if that's the way that works for you, then that's great. You know, it's um, however people do it, I think is is great, you know, because then that w- that's what works for them. So, um, and that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. So, yeah, which yeah. is great. Which <clears throat> brings me back to how, how can we find you and your book? Mm-hmm. 
So I am at the moment, it's just about to be published on Amazon and a whole range of other um, up through other bookshops online um, across the world. So yeah, so um, it's that's probably going to be in the next week. So for the next few days, I've got a ten percent discount on a pre like a pre release. Um, so you can go to my website, which is Mary Stewart S T U A R T dot net dot au, and you can um, just type in your email address, and then I'll get back to you with a discount code um, for once it's released. And I'll, so, I'll put your I'll put your uh, website in the show notes. Great, too. great. That would be really good. Yeah, and then also I'm on Instagram as well. So it's Mary Stewart underscore author, um, and that's my handle on Instagram. So you can always jump on there. You can always jump on there and ask me questions as well. Um, I'm quite open with um, sharing information, and I love getting on there and um, you know helping others. Um, and giving advice to other people as well when they're trying to quit as well. So always jump on and ask me questions. I'm quite open to that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mary. I, I appreciate you being open to doing a podcast interview. I feel like I got a world exclusive interview before anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> I don't want to brag or anything, but you know. <laughs> you did, you did. I did. Okay. So, so if, I, if it's on the New York bestseller list, then I'll be like, yeah, Deb had the exclusive. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? You, when you want to come to the United States, come to Idaho. Yeah. Come yeah. stay with me in Boise because it is oh, awesome. beautiful here. Thank you so much. Awesome. Same in Australia. If you're ever coming to Australia, oh my gosh. let me know. I was really... And, um, yeah, that was my whole point of doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, she's going to invite me over. <laughs> yeah, I knew where you lived. I was like, ooh, that's a coastal surf town. <laughs> oh, good, good times. Okay. Well, thank well, you so thank you. much. Yes. Oh, no, thank you. It's been really good. Thank you so much for, um, yeah, having me on today. It's been really good chatting to you and um, it wasn't as daunting as I thought. <laughs> You're fabulous. <laughs> Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I'm always here for you guys, so please feel free to reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. Again, I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, see you next time. Mm-hmm.